Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, and I'm reading out of, sorry, out of NASB for anybody who's following along. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body's parts do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually parts of one another. However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly, if prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if service in the act of serving, or the one who teaches in the act of teaching, or the one who exhorts in the works of exhortation, the one who gives with generosity, the one who is in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Love must be free of hypocrisy. Detest what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, or for in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Let's go. Thank you, Master John. <clears throat> Well, guys, if you guys are coming in, just, you know, when you come in, mute yourself. And if you have any questions, insights, comments on the scripture, man, feel free to put your hand up in the chat at the top right. There's a little bubble. Put a little hand emoji. Let us know you have something to share. And, man, share away. Uh, we're going to start officially, uh, for those that are just now getting in here, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 16. I know we really talked about that last week, but just kind of like a good starting point. It says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And then he says, repay no one evil for evil, which is really hard. <laughs> Retaliation is just a part of this human nature. Revenge is just ingrained into us from day one. It's all about self-preservation. And Paul is saying to strip yourself of that and to grow up out of that. He says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So um, just in those two verses, again, Romans chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. Um, any thoughts, any questions, any insights, jump on the mic or let us know in the chat that you want to share. Let's get this party started. As you guys, oh, let's go. We have Nikki. Hello, go ahead, Nikki. Hi. <laughs> no, I just wanted to take note that um, what what Paul is talking about is basically the sacrifice that God is looking for. The sacrifice of love, choosing love over hate, choosing. Choosing kindness over cruelty. Uh, yeah. So, sacrificing your flesh in that moment. 
So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Zoom out a bit. The context is um, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, right? And so one of the most practical ways to do that is to choose not to repay evil with evil, not to retaliate, not to take revenge, not to allow those self-preserving tendencies to guide your decisions, right? But to instead choose um, to actually give thought about what is honorable in the sight of all people. In the moment when we are thinking about repaying evil for evil, whether that's on like a very grand scale or on like a really small scale and like these small little, you know, moment to moment decisions with how we interact with people, regardless of the form it takes, um, God has called us to actually consider about consider what our actions uh, might do for the people around us and the image of, well, as representatives and ambassadors of God, you know, what kind of um, thoughts they might have because of our actions about God, you know? And so ultimately, uh, when, when we act out of like, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, when we act out of kind of that self-preservation, which is to get mine and take revenge, Usually we're not giving thought to um, how our witness and how our testimony might uh, look to the people around us. We're concerned with us. And Paul wants us to zoom out a bit and be concerned with how well you're imaging God to the people around you instead of just caring about, you know, preserving you. Um, so... Uh, Judy asks, hey, I have a favor. Can you guys please speak a bit like how Jason speaks? Yeah, I have older people in here with me listening. They're in their mid-80s. Yeah, definitely consider that for sure. Ken, go ahead, my brother. So <clears throat> my mind's taken to uh, Matthew 11. Uh, in order for us to be at the point where we don't repay evil for evil, that we don't be conceited, we don't be proud, is that once we come to the end of ourselves and we submit, we get built up, we get restored, that we find rest. So in, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and on is, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For... I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The burden that he puts upon us is light, is himself, is love. So when we put that burden upon ourselves, we are loving others once we are built up in him. So there is a period that we do need to take a step back and rest. And to be still and know he is God. And, and to realize, as I was sharing with the brother earlier today, that I know a lot of times we tend to find ourselves trying to be the Savior and saving people and throwing the Bible at them. But also, it goes further into trying to be the one who does the, the sanctifying, too. It's easy to step into that because we have such a heart to want to pour out to them. But we have to remember, if we knew how to do it on our own, we wouldn't need Christ in the first place. So we have to take a step back and remember to still be guided, even when we are pouring out our heart. What a helpful word for those of us that just want to assume more control than we're given, right? Um, I don't control the entire sanctification process of another person. I can play a role in it, right? I can I can be a reason they're more like Jesus and closer to Jesus and see Jesus clearer through my life. And the same is true for my own sanctification process. But ultimately, it's God who oversees the whole thing. He's the, he's the one who's sovereignly over it. We can only do what he's given us the grace to do. So we have a role. And here's our role right here in Romans 12, 9 through 21, as, uh, as he lists it out. Rogu, go ahead. I just wanted to attach something to what you were saying a bit ago about being an image bearer of him and 
pointing it out that this is very much in the realm of what it means to uh, take his name in vain or the opposite of rather. So a lot of us think that uh, as it came up earlier today about how people are cussing or using, you know, people who aren't believers or using Jesus's name as a curse or part of their profanity or whatever. And that while it does have some attachment to taking his name in vain, the deeper part of that is more about we, I guess best way to the easiest way is how a woman takes on the name of her husband in marriage, her, his last name, and that she is taking his name as identification and being a representative of that name. And so that is more the taking his name applies to us, not unbelievers. So for those who are outside the faith, using his name as a curse word, yeah, it's a bad thing, but they've not taken his name as being one of his servants, one of his children. And so with the idea that we are subservient to him and we are taking on that bondservant role, willing bondservant, we are looking out for the interest as ambassadors for his name, which is his kingdom. Is representative of his kingdom. So this is to what like the Beatitudes, Matthew five through seven, which is the the behaviors and the, the heart posture that is expected of members of the kingdom of God. And so Paul is definitely expounding on that with behaviors that we uh, are expected to do or embrace as being people have taken on his name and his interests and looking out for the betterment of his kingdom. A lot of scripture, obviously, especially New Testament, is drawing attention to that. Now that you're a member of the kingdom, here's the behaviors and the thoughts, um, the heart posture that we should have as bondservants within his kingdom who are looking to build his kingdom up. Not our interest, not our will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are asking for his kingdom to be manifested on this earth because we want his rulership. Yeah, that's such a good uh, clarification to make that uh, often we just completely forget is we're so focused on, and, and you're right, there is, some dimension of truth to the fact that when people use the name of God as a curse word or profanity, you know, belittling his name, dragging it through the mud, that is definitely something we should avoid. But it is as representatives of his kingdom, as children that bear his name, right, in the earth, as scripture teaches, uh, we are reflections of God, whether we like it or not. So when, whatever we are doing uh, is going to ultimately reflect upon the father that we represent. And whether that's a true and accurate reflection of his character or not doesn't change the reality that we are image bearers of God who now carry his name as his children. You can't really turn that on or off. We are ambassadors. That's our identity. We are children. That's our identity. Identity doesn't go up and down based on other factors in life. It's constant. Whether or not I faithfully represent him, though, and accurately display the character and the love of God, that's. That's the question. Are you bearing the name of God well uh, when people see your life and the way you interact with others? And it's interesting, if you back it up to verse 16, it actually says, never be wise in your own sight. It doesn't say like, hey, sometime, let's be careful. It says never be wise in your own sight. It's this, and I, I reference it so much because it's just such a good uh model a picture an example of this but it's the idea in genesis 3 where adam and eve are faced with the option will they eat from the forbidden tree or will they trust in god to care for them provide for them and be there everything will they obey him and every day we're faced with our own essentially decision of will we eat from the forbidden tree and disobey or, or will we choose to obey god daily and when you're wise in your own sight and your self-preserving tendencies kick in, right? You start to operate by a worldly wisdom that's going to lead you away from what honors God. And by, by operating by worldly wisdom, you're going to end up dragging the name of God through the mud because you're not operating by the true spiritual wisdom he gives us in Scripture. And so this just all goes together, pride and humility and 
our ability to associate with the lowly and, and choosing not to repay evil with evil, you know, it all reflects back on um, this decision to humbly assume the character of Jesus, live as servants, and trust that God's going to take care of us as we put ourselves out there. Because we're not, either we're the ones that are in control and kind of taking care of ourselves, or we can do what God says and he's going to take care of us. And I think it's just for a lot of people, it's scary to do that. So it's, you know, I got to repay evil for evil and I got to get vengeance just in case God doesn't. So well, that just shows there's, there's doubt, there's insecurity within your, your own faith and relationship that God wants to address. So just a lot of thoughts. And then Isaiah to that passage, 58, 6 through 11, um, the sacrifice God wants. So beautiful. Uh, Cassandra, go ahead. Yes. Um, I would like to uh, point out in verse one, uh, what particularly uh, stuck out for me was where it says, in view of God's mercy, that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And it says, holy and pleasing to God. And it says, this is true and proper worship. And I point that out because it says, you know, this is part of our worship. How we present, how we present our, ourselves. That's it. You nailed it. This is the kind of worship the Father is looking for. John chapter um, 4, the woman at the well. You know, the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Well, here's the spiritual worship, the true form of, you know, sacrifice God is really pleased with and looking for is a heart that trusts him enough to actually walk in his ways, even if it means possibly you're putting a bigger target on your back. Um, like, are you willing to actually put yourself out there if, if indeed God says, you know, walk in humility? And then, I mean, honestly, you're running the risk of people taking advantage of you. You're running the risk of people mocking you and belittling you and thinking you're nothing and you're weak. And is that a risk you're willing to take in order to actually honor God and represent his name in the earth well? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Other times it's like, ah. I don't know. I really care about my self-image. I really care about the opinions of people and, and what they think of me. And so it's kind of hard. It's just this constant daily battle of will you trust God to care for you? And, you know, the proof you do is that you offer him up a life that's worthy of what he's done. And I love that it's in view of his mercy. This isn't us uh, having no, no reason to do this. We're actually responding to the mercy of God. You understand that this way of interacting with people, it's a response. It's triggered by the love of God for us first. So this is not you manufacturing the strength or the reasoning to do it on your own. It's look at all that God has given us in his son. That's more than enough reason to choose not to return evil for evil. That's more than enough reason to you know, walk with humility and not assume that you're always right, and not operate by the wisdom of the world. It's more than enough reason. It's his mercy. And so um, it's just a powerful, powerful truth, man. It's in view of his mercy. It's this idea of like, you're actually looking to his mercy and focusing on the grace he's shown you as you're living your daily life. And that's going to more naturally produce in us the kind of fruit he's looking for as we, you know, kind of just look to him like Hebrews 12 says. Just look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What do you think it means to associate with the lowly? We kind of touched on this a bit when we talked about hospitality a couple weeks ago. Uh, this idea of associating with the lowly and not being wise in our own sight. Um, what do you think that looks like? Obviously not repaying evil for evil, considering what's honorable in the sight of people, what will kind of give them a right view of God. We have a giant Rocky Chan hand in the building. I mean, look at the size of that thing. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. 
Oh. I love you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. All right. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a big hand. I'm glad it's not a clip. Well, I'm going to say so it's not a fight. Forget that. Um, the one verse that were the pa- this passage in Romans, um, where it says, don't be transformed. I mean, don't be transformed. Um, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind and giving your bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, Lord. I've been going through personally, like, the past few days, like, emotionally, and just things that's been going on in my own head, um, really takes me back to, like, what it said in, uh, I do believe Philippians 4, 8, uh, 4, 8, where, is it, where it says, um, let me find it real quick. Whatever things are right, whatever, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, here it is. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, pleasing, uh, commandable, if there's any excellence or character or any, or if anything praiseworthy, think about these things and the things which you have learned and received and heard about and seeing in me, process the seeds, uh, and the God of peace will be with you. So I guess it sort of ties into trusting in the Lord with the things that you worry about, and, like, life-wise, financially, family, uh, personally, like, individ- individually, personally, as it means the same thing, but, um, yeah. So I guess, overall, in my mind, the repeated theme here is just trusting everything with uh, the thought, your thought process and the things that you are not just the things that you are most stressed about or most worried or frustrated about, but with everything and not turning back to the things of this world and which we all tend to do at times. It's just especially me when um, when it comes to stress and frustration, I tend to want and choose to go back to these things, but the Lord's conviction would be so strong and so just, like, um, reminded me of, I guess, of Him and just, like, continually to keep my focus on Him, even when times are hard and very difficult. And, um, remind myself of the Beatitudes that I think John was talking about earlier as well. So I guess framing your mindset and framing all your actions and whatnot to just think about things of God um, and just, I guess, keep your heart and mind anchored towards uh, the right things. And uh, instead of going back to old ways and old stuff, at least that's what's been processing in my head of the passage. I, uh, when you said Philippians 4, Rocky Chan, for some reason I thought you were going to go to, like I mixed up Philippians 2 and 4, I thought you were going to go to the, um, idea of do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit um but the idea of having a standard for your thoughts you know whatever is lovely whatever is true whatever is of good report you know whatever's whatever's praiseworthy and pure have a standard for your thought life man and then as you do you know you start to see this and this is the sacrifice god is looking for i think we've been saying this for weeks it's just it's worth repeating that often Overspears things like a big deal when God's like, oh, actually, I'm more concerned with your character and your heart and the way you treated your mom on the way out of the house and the way you treated your spouse when you were frustrated and kind of tired from work. You know, I'm more concerned with it, doesn't mean none of those other things matter. It just means ultimately the heart, the character, the intent, you know, the motives uh, of a person 
matter so much more than like, oh, look at all the signs and wonders I'm doing. Look at all these miracles. Those are those are great. <laughs> like advance the kingdom, use your gifts, preach the gospel, help people. You know, but Philippians two it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, uh, which is this kind of um, this pride and humility. Count yourselves more significant. Um, count others more significant than yourselves. Let, let each of you not uh, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of other people. That's easier said than done, man. But that's the kind of idea here. Christian, you're hitting the nail on the head with the, the thought life and you know, actually thinking about what we're thinking about, right? And taking thoughts captive because pride creeps in so subtly and selfish ambition creeps in in ways where we do not detect it. And um, we just need to guard ourselves against that. Otherwise, it makes us not as um, effective and, and useful to the people God places us around. I'm most effective when I'm most like Jesus, right? I'm most beneficial to the people around me when I embody the character of Christ, which is humbly laying myself down, um, looking at others as more significant in the midst of my own needs and stuff. So it's good stuff. Never be wise in your own sight. Just makes me think of Proverbs 3. It's like, be not wise in your own eyes. Um, arrogance creeps in. All the data we collect makes us prideful, right? I know so much. Well, you know something if it produces love in you, if it actually results in love and you apply that knowledge in a way that benefits someone else, you've come to know that thing. Um, it's just a good way to process when we're learning. Associate with the lowly. That assumes uh, stooping down. Never to go back to it. What was that? Someone was trying to talk. It's our uh, resident Irish fella. He's oh. got some things, some things to say. Yeah, let's hear it. Where'd he go? I don't think he realizes he was hot, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Well, all right. Let's go to verse eighteen. Um, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Okay, this is the key phrase. So far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all, with all. Uh, never avenge yourselves, beloved. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, this is the Lord speaking, vengeance is mine, like it belongs rightly to him. It's not yours. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you'll be heaping burning coals on his head. So don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, that is how Jesus overcame death. Was obedience. That is how he overcame death. That was our penalty. By dying and laying himself down in love. Um, so I think he models that very well for us. Just think about how he's carrying the cross um, and all the accusations, all the shame they're pouring out on him, all the mockery, um, the absolute disdain. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This overflowing heart of forgiveness. That's what I want. Nikki? Uh, I just... Um... I just, I, I love God. He's so great. Because he, he, like, he's a super genius. Okay. So, like, when he's talking about if your enemy is hung hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Like, we can think of that on the physical context. If somebody's hungry, you give them food, you know. Or if they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. But Jesus is also the bread of life. And, you know, out of us will flow rivers of living water. So, even a kind or a compassionate word is like giving them something to drink giving them food to eat. And um, so that's like spiritual level. It is multifaceted Amen. and God's great like that. I, I'm sorry. I just love that. Never be sorry for beautiful revelations like that. Yeah. 
uh, a kind word, a compassionate, understanding word. It's not always easy. Man, I, I tell you, if someone catches me at the wrong time and they say the wrong thing, boy, that flesh kicks in. And I, I actually don't consider uh, my, my, my witness and my testimony. That's not at the front of my mind. My self-preservation kicks in and goes, hey, they just uh, kind of stained my image. I need to fix that by staining theirs, right? <laughs> or they just said something that wasn't true about me. I need to get back at them by saying something that's not true about them and one-up them and make them feel bad. And it's beautiful. Just a kind word can be so satisfying. The word of truth, to answer with truth all the time and have that on our lips. Um, once again, easier said than done, but when the truth guides us, uh, I, I've heard some people say this. They focus so much on like the, you're heaping burning coals on their head. Yeah, make them suffer. It's like, that's not the idea. Um, all that's happening there is as you are being kind, as you are being loving, your hope is not that they end up in judgment at all. Your hope is that your kind word would actually soften them to hear the gospel and be receptive to what you're saying. So quite the contrary, if you think this is about getting back at them by being kind, kill them with kindness. It's actually like, no, soften them as much as God, you know, um, sovereignly works through that. And as much as they're willing play a role in that softening process by being compassionate and kind and loving. Um, and then the burning coals seems to be relating to actually the judgment God will bring. It's like storing up wrath for themselves, like we see in Romans chapter 1. Um, but you are not doing that. <laughs> it's not the goal. I've heard some people say that, so I wanted to make sure that was said. Rocky Chan, giant godzilla size hand. Go for it. I'm dying. I'm trying to say that. All right. All right. Um, it's actually a question. Like, as, um, I guess, like, for you, Jason, or for anyone who is, like, a consecrator and such, um, how can we apply this, like, Romans, uh, 12, and also this from, like, uh, Philippians 2 and Philippians 4 to those who do consecration, like, for, um, who are spreading the gospel or spreading the good news or just doing, using their gifts and talents for the Lord, um, like, through consecration and then get, like, a lot of backlash. And from, I guess, brothers and sisters, or just others, like in the comment section, if anyone notes the comment section of the uh, TikTok comments or YouTube, it could be really nasty. So, like, how can we conduct ourselves? Um, and Maybe I should, maybe I should, um, think about this question a bit more, goodness gracious. Um, how can we conduct ourselves in a godly manner? Um, and I guess, like, um, in regards to not paying, uh, evil with evil, but repaying evil with good. Like, when it comes to comments and just, I guess skepticism and I don't know just just that in general. Um, when it comes to like when you create a content uh, for the Lord and put it out there and you get a lot of backlash uh, from it, like how can I don't know guard your heart when it comes to situations like that, and how can we like lovingly maybe possibly correct uh correct them like. And love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're probably asking the wrong person because, man, I my patience wears thin <laughs> in that comment section, man. Whether it's TikTok or YouTube, um, they just pop up and if the right one gets my attention and I'm in the I'm in the wrong mood, you know, I'll be roasting people. And I I need to stop that. I really do. Um, but it's almost like a, a self preserving tendency of mine that I've developed over the years um and i need to definitely cut that out because it's the small things man it is it is these small opportunities to shine the light of jesus 
Um, so I think the way we do that is sometimes we just don't engage, honestly. Um, I think someone will read this and, and feel this almost pressure to rightly engage everyone. No one's forcing you to engage with anyone. Let the Spirit of God lead you to interact with the people you're supposed to. And if you do come across someone uh, who hates what you're doing and is really against you and hates the God you serve, I think the very fact that God led you into that already positions you to, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to have his heart, but you're more likely to respond with the heart of Jesus when he's the one that led you into that. I think we get ourselves into trouble when we wander into interactions with people that God never actually intended for us to be engaging in. Uh, and then almost we have to like sustain ourselves there and, and keep that going and defend ourselves. And um, there are just some things you have to ignore. And some comments don't need to be responded to. Others are worth responding to um, in order to lovingly uh, correct. Um, but I always make sure I'm not correcting to look superior. I always make sure I'm not correcting to let them know that I know better. You know, I want to make sure that when I do respond, it's not self-centered. I don't want to be motivated by selfish ambition. Once I've kind of evaluated that and I go, you know what, I, I don't think there's selfish ambition here. There's a genuine concern for the the benefit of this person. I really care about them, right? Then I'll ask God to help me kind of craft uh, an understanding comment in response to them, you know? But everyone's going to kind of do that differently. And it's interesting you bring that up. I don't want to talk too long because I know you all have beautiful things to share. But when we talk about content creation, everyone thinks like videos, music, you know, art, graphic design. Your life is, in essence, you creating content. Uh, my interactions with people, the way I use my gifts. If you read Romans 12, the context of this is, hey, here's how, because remember, go back to verse 6, having gifts that differ, let's use them, right? And then it's almost like Romans 12, 9 through 21 is going to give you the clear instructions on how to effectively use the gifts you have. What is the kind of heart that should accompany my gifts? What kind of character should surround my gifts? When I use my gifts, what should my uh, interactions with people look like? Well, you definitely shouldn't be self-seeking. You should be associating with the lowly. You should not be wise in your own sight. You shouldn't use your gifts to, you know, get back at people. Of course not. God forbid that, right? You should serve the Lord. So read verse 9 through 21, almost like these different characteristics of what it looks like to uh, use our gifts most effectively. Right? It's not just having a gift and mastering that and getting the skill down. It's what kind of heart provides the framework for how I use it. Um, that's what matters often more. Um, so just some thoughts. Anyone else? Just verse 18 through 21. Guys, we're going to finish Romans 12. Let's go. So excited. Talk about authorities and government. Hooray. Anybody? Come on. If I missed a hand, I'm sorry. Rocky Chan's giant hand just covers it all. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Actually, it would be really funny if you actually uh, post it. Like, now you can actually upload the emoji on your arms. <laughs> the the buffer froze. Uh, um, Discord, you can just yeah. upload the emoji with the target. <laughs> I might just do that. Just oh, yes. Johnny's in here when a stranger talks to me about Jesus. I know him. Is he in the chat? Or did he just drop that? <laughs> He's not even... He's uh, there he is. Johnny, what's up, bro? Um, How's it going? Oh, you know, just being um, honest about where we are in life and how we're trying to be what we see in Romans 12, which is, you know, the character of Christ. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Uh, That's the idea. Uh, yeah. 
mm-hmm. living our lives as um, acceptable, holy and acceptable sacrifices unto God. Like he takes it as a form of worship. And That's it's right. this idea that you don't always have to, you know, be clapping and singing along to worship God. You could just live out every moment of your life sacrificially to him. Mm-hmm. Right. This dying to self. This, you know, when you're baptized under the water, it's for the remission of sins and a public um, declaration. But I always think of it as like, you know, the old me is, was like under the water and left there and the new me came out and I was made a new creation in Christ on that day. And then if mm-hmm. I ever backslide or I make a mistake, like it says in First John, if I'm faithful to confess it, he is faithful and just to forgive me. And it's like his his mercies are new every morning, like it says in the Lamentations of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. So just mm-hmm. everywhere you look in the scriptures, there's comfort for a hurting person. There's comfort um, for those who mourn. And there's a way out. There's a hope that we have in Christ that if we model our lives after him, right, that's all God wants is like, okay, so let's say you're wrestling with a sin, right? Let's say it's like greed. Like, you know, you're, ser- you're serving God and money, for example, but you, you just love money. You can't stop loving money. So Jesus loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you, right? Just start there. Just start there. It's, that's where you start when you're in that situation, when you're double-minded. Let's say you don't know Jesus at all. You don't know him at all. And let's say, I don't know, you're a murderer. Well, guess what? God loves you, and he wants to start a relationship with you. It's like, start there. That's the best place to start. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with God. Just go back to him. That's what repentance is. And that's the first step to being more Christ-like, right? Is to let go of our sins or our mistakes. And then to turn around and focus on him, to have that change of heart, that change of mind, that contrite heart, as it talks about in the Old Testament. And then once you fix your eyes on Jesus, well, then it's, it gets easier and easier because he just says, you know what, let go of what else you're holding on to. I'll take it from you and I'll heal you. And we could take a step forward to the light, take a step forward towards the Father. And, and you don't have to do it alone. You could do it with him. And you're so loved in those moments. And then it's funny because it, I'm making it sound so easy because it really is that easy. It really is that easy. And we, we, we like to gunk up the works and overthink it so much. But if we'll just submit and give it to him, he'll take it from us so freely. That's why my name on here is free indeed. It's John eight thirty six. who the sun sets free is free indeed. So there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom in living a holy life. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a, it's not a checklist that you, that you cross off. Rather, it's another step into liberty and freedom in the kingdom. Well, all right. That's uh, that's it. We just want, needed Johnny to explain everything. We're done here. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We no, have, Lord, Lord we have, have mercy. <laughs> man, I love it. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Praise God for that. That's a word. He just came in here and dropped a word. And I think, man, I needed that. Um, I just think of Jesus as being the ultimate example of facing the pinnacle of human darkness, like the absolute height of wickedness and, and um, you know, wrongfully accusing him of crime when he did nothing, you know. And he faces it all with the heart of the Father, right? He faces it all with a selfless, sacrificial love. Like he's literally dying for the people who are accusing him and condemning him to the cross, his own creation, who's wrongfully accusing him of crime he's never done when they are in the wrong. He's letting them do that in order to die for them. And that is just um, mind-boggling. I will never have more reason than Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus had more reason than any of us to walk away and be like, you know what, I'm done. Um, He stooped so low. I mean, the gap between us and Jesus, that's a pretty big gap. And he closes it. He comes down to us. I never have to close that big of a gap when I serve someone else. I I never have to stoop that low, like, because I'm already like (laughs) at the level of the people I'm serving. I'm equal with them. Jesus came down to our level. And it's like, that's the idea of what it means on a daily basis at work with your spouse, with your kids. It's not allowing someone else's sin against you to actually creep up within you and create this temptation for you to give in. I never want someone else's sin to cause me to sin against them. I want to, and this is the difference between retaliating and I think responding, right? Is 
scripture is saying, hey, don't retaliate. Because if you retaliate, you're returning the evil they gave you back onto them, right? But if you respond, you're not retaliating to the evil they've done to you. You're responding to the love God has shown you and giving that to them. Retaliation is always this like return of equal value. I'm going to give them what is equal to what they've given me. Whereas Jesus comes and he gives us the love we don't deserve. And then he tells us to go and do the same. So it's not go and retaliate. It's give the love that you weren't deserving of in the first place. Go and give that to them um, because you know dang well that you are both equally undeserving of that love. And then, Johnny, as you're talking, I was just thinking about how you're talking about comfort, right? And this idea of like being comforted by God. Um, that people find a sense of comfort in their own ability to almost tear people down and like retaliate and get revenge. That's almost comforting to people is that I did that. I brought them down. I showed them. I defended myself. And scripture is saying, actually find security in God's love for you rather than in your ability to revenge yourself, right? And to actually retaliate and, and um, preserve yourself. Find security in him and his love for you. And when you do, that will always compel you to love people um so drawing light nikki go ahead okay i've i i just had a thought about that about um the recompense of the lord um it's not it's not just you know out of loving others because he loved us but also do you think your judgment is higher than god's who knows the heart of all men you know him to be the righteous one the holy one and though we, we walk through this life, we, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So who better to leave that recompense to? It lifts the weight off of your shoulders when you forgive others and you give it to God. And you know that whatever, whatever judgment he has upon a person, it's righteous. But he's also compassionate and loving, making it to rain on both the wicked and the good. So... Dropping bombs all the time. We don't have perfect judgment. And that's why he brings in the idea of never be wise in your own sight. Because you think you do when you answer evil with evil. Right? The, the prerequisite to that is that you think you have perfect judgment. And the right you've assessed the right thing to do here is to give evil in return. But believers who trust in their father say, I don't have perfect judgment. My father does. And because he has perfect judgment and perfect sight, he has absolute perfect wisdom of what's happening, knowledge of every detail of the universe. I don't. So my assessment of things is always <laughs> not as complete as my, my God's. I can trust in him um, to give the appropriate judgment. I don't have to. Um, this, you're right. It lifts the burden. It really does. It's uh, freeing. When you're not the one fending for yourself, but you have God doing that for you. You have a father who cares for you. I mean, it's Matthew 6, that whole concept of the Gentiles seek these things. The Gentiles pray like there's no God. Yeah, because they don't trust in um, the God of Israel. They don't have that God defending and protecting them. Um, we do. We do. Josh, you'll probably be the last one for tonight. Go ahead. No pressure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, it won't be long. So, I I just wanted to sort of comment on that fact that about um his judgment being so much better, and I I think that's such a helpful thing to keep in mind because um yeah, like Nikki said, it it just takes so much pressure off, and I'm just thinking of a particular scenario where um. I I was like at my wits end with a person and uh, just wanted to go off on them and then suddenly the part about the very start of this Romans twelve was what came to mind which was to offer yourself your life basically as a living sacrifice and I realized like it was gonna be better just to do things Jesus's way than and, and to just all right I don't think this person deserves my mercy but 
I'm going to do this as a form of worship. And then when I did that, I feel like the Lord just gave me an insight on this person's life and their background. And they, they came from like a really, um, he didn't give me like a word of knowledge, but um, sort of just brought something to my attention that I should have been aware of already. And uh, when that happened, I realized, wow, like, you you don't even know where a person came from lots of times. And, like, this particular person was never given a chance in life. Like, they they weren't taught life skills growing up and things like that. And it just totally shifted from being frustrated with this person to, like, feeling really bad for them. And it just real made me realize how wrong I was for, like, wanting to lash out at them. Man, this is such a hard check. Um, for me, at least. I can't speak for all of you, but for me, just a big hard check. I know I haven't been um, as charitable and as gracious and understanding as I can be with the people who leave the kind of comments they do on my channel. It just, it builds up, man. And I think about the, the scripture where Jesus says uh, that the love of many will grow cold. And I never want to be that, you know, because the longer we go holding on to offense and letting it build up and focusing on the wrongs that have been done against us, we're going to blow our lid off. And we're going to operate in that cynicism and self-righteous judgment and, you know, pride and looking down on people and, that's the last thing I want, right, is to be that person that, you know, doesn't actually have the the understanding and the charity of Christ, that compassion, right? That love is, um, love assumes the best. That's the idea, 1 Corinthians 13, um, that love is actually believing the best about someone instead of being quick to assume the worst. Um, so, awesome study. We finished Romans 12, guys. We finished Romans 12. Let's go. Um, that's a great place to end, right? Next week, we'll pick up governments and authorities. Hooray! Um, and it's this continuing conversation of offering yourself as a sacrifice um, of love and a sacrifice that honors God, offering yourself up in relationship with the surrounding government and authorities that be. And that's a hard conversation for some people to have, but um, I hope you guys will be here next week for that. And I think that's it. Who wants to pray for us this evening? <laughs>